Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello there, you're welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. We're looking back at Celtic's 2-1 win against Hearts in Tynecastle in the midweek. Rio Hatate got the opening goal with an absolute thunderfuck of a finish from about 30 yards out. <laughs> George's Chikamakis <laughs> doubled the lead. And as you can hear, Chico James and Alan Morrison enjoyed that intro, so they're with me as always. <laughs> Guys, how you doing? All right. Good is is thunder fuck one notch up from thunder bastard or how does that go on a ranking scale? <laughs> uh, it's definitely the top. It's as oh, hard it as you okay. can have the ball. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's Wasn't a it's a sliding scale though. Yeah, yeah. I, so I believe it's, not, it's, an, I, it's an algorithmic scale actually. It's quite it's quite a bit better. Right. It sounds exponential. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's it's very well thought out as well. You know, it's exactly you know the same way as you guys do do your different measurements and different stats. I do the same with my. My measurements of how hard that boys well, can hit the ball. And, uh, and uh, I have an unleashing to have here because you inspired me with your your fanciness. Now, I have oh. to say, my wife has a thing for Kevin Costner, and I tried to convince her that this is my attempt to be him from JFK um, to do some role-playing, but she didn't buy it. So she says that's not an, a romantic Kevin Costner movie. So I, I, now, now I'm stuck with looking like a '50s FBI agent. So I have you to thank for, for all of this mess. For the podcast listeners, James has just put on a nice pair of glasses for the first time. It's the first time I'm seeing you with your specs on. People are going to start calling you Specky now. Don't worry. What? It uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt me when people do that on YouTube. Why? Well, these are not actual glasses. These are the the blue. What do you call them? Blue light glasses that you. Yeah. This, this is a re- yeah. referral directly from you. So this is why I got them. So I can stop having tired eyes all the time. So I'm going to take well. Off. If we're going to if we're going to if we're going to oh. unpack all that, James, I think this could be a therapy session. Not oh, that's true. Session. That's true. <laughs> Look, there are people in the comments starting to talk about the Celtic win from Wednesday night at Tyne Castle. A very important win, it has to be said. Uh, that Celtic got came out with, especially given the the second half performance. You know, Hearts missed the penalty. There was a lot going on. Alan, myself and yourself did a post-match reaction on the YouTube channel straight after the game. So, James, I'm interested to get your thoughts. I know you were watching that. So what was your general thoughts on the performance last night? 
Yeah, I, I was um, distracted during the first half with multiple things going on in my life. So I went back and rewatched the first half because I was kind of in and out and distracted. Um, I watched that earlier this morning. So uh, uneven, maybe, is the best way to um, uh, very chaotic. A um, lot of sloppy passing, I would say. But given the circumstances of just kind of getting a bunch of dice and shaking them up and throwing them out on the field uh, in certain ways with these guys have never really played together this in this configuration of players, um, you know, job done. Um, but a very interesting, different kind of performance. So some of the data, I, I give you the, the in, most interesting one I, I came across so far. So um, Y Scout has a, a metric is basically average passes per possession. So if you looked at the the game that we lost there in the first league game of the season, uh, we averaged 6.39 passes per possession. And yesterday we only averaged 3.62 passes per possession. <laughs> uh, so that I think that's a proxy for kind of how ping pongy the game was uh, as far as transitions. Yeah. And that was, that was probably, to be fair, that was probably seven in the first half and one in the second half. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, it got yeah. much worse in the second, but I, even when I rewatched the first half, it was, I was, um, you know, even somebody like Hatate, the amount of times kind of like you did that first game, Alan, you know, he does something so brilliant. That's what em, emblazons in your brain. And then I went back and it's like, wow, that one that, you know, I'm starting to count the ones and he's giving it away, giving it away. And he's trying, like it's creative giving away. It's not other than the one back pass that was kind of sloppy. Unfortunately, didn't turn into anything, but it's those kind of little details that you do get when you rewatch. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that just based off of my half-assed watching the first time and then the response on social media that I saw after the game, it, I, I would say the first half didn't look as dominant as maybe um, the consensus seemed to be. I mean, okay, it was good, but not like, oh my God, we're completely you know, steamrolling these guys. Um, so that's basically my, my summary. The first 10 minutes in particular was actually not good at all yeah um, exactly. it, was, it was very very sloppy and we give away a, a good few chances but i would argue then the, the following 20 25 minutes then was was all celtic pretty much once the goal went in and then the last five minutes was uh, again back to the sort of messy sloppy back and forth football that we we've seen i actually do agree on the hitati one i, th I thought it, I, I was watching him last night especially when celtic were under the cosh and i'm not too sure as exciting as he is and as, as brilliant as he's been for the, the two games that we've seen, I'm not too sure he's a player I want on the field when Celtic are up against it because he is a risk taker all the time. Every pass seems to be an attempt to open up the opposition. And at times you're just wondering, take the five-yard pass, keep the ball, don't give the possession away. And that, that, that was my feeling in the second half, especially with Hatate. Yeah, well, it's his tendency uh, to, to be a one-man press. He was pressing Craig Gordon when everyone else had fallen back into a shape. That was what was concerning me in the second half. He, you know, he wasn't pressing uh, in line with the team. It, it didn't. There wasn't any obvious trigger to his pressing, and it it wasn't in keeping with uh, what was going on in the context of the game. And and yeah, like like last like last week on his debut, he gave away half. Half of his first dozen passes, uh, more actually. First, yeah, first dozen passes. It was about 50 percent 50, 50 success rate. 
Um, he was almost keeping tabs with Devlin for fouls. So every time Hatati gave the ball away, Devlin conceded a foul. Hatati gave the ball away, Devlin conceded a foul. They were kind of they were kind of you know having a bit of a race, I think, you know, together there. So for one part, but yeah. So listen, he's a, a lot a lot of upside to him in terms of um, very similar actually O'Reilly, but what I'm sure we'll come to in more detail. I hope we will anyway. Um, in terms of low center of gravity, can turn very quickly. Has actually decent upper body strength. Great balance, which I love, uh, and so and so is he, and, and does things. Wants to do everything quickly, and that's the difference with playing against low blocks and so forth. Is is you know when we had when we were stuck in the first ten minutes with Starfelt, Carter Vickers, Carter Vickers, Juranovic back to Starfelt, and all this nonsense. As soon as the ball goes to Tati, it's going forward really quickly, and that that doesn't allow the defence to settle, and that, I think that's really important. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to come across as if I'm complaining about Hatate, by the way, because I'm I'm certainly not. He's a, a re- really exciting player. But what I'm saying is, with uh, 15 minutes to go, I'm not sure he's the yeah. player that I want in my centre midfield. Uh, maybe well, a more controlling presence than it's, it's a wider a wider there. topic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is indeed. We're not going to get uh, too deep into that. Let's talk about some of the more intricate details of the game from last night. So. We spoke about O'Reilly in glowing terms after the game. Alan, uh, he, this was a phenomenal debut, really, for a player coming up from, from League One. You had eight created chances or eight chances created for, on the, the Sky yeah. Report. Um, what, so they what said. What did it turn out for, for you? <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've, only, I've, only, yeah I've, I've only watched most of the first half back, so I've not captured the data for the whole game. But, um, yeah, because, I mean, in the first 10 minutes, right, by the 10th minute, He'd, he'd won the ball back in his own half with a good recovery tackle in the defensive third. He'd won the ball high up the pitch, creating a chance for himself in their box. He'd, 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 he'd pulled off one beautiful pack pass, taking out a load of players, and had a shot at goal all within the first 10 minutes. It was, just, it was the 31st minute. He was the last Celtic player to give the ball away. He'd completed all of his passes by then. He's. He, I'm up to about the 35th minute, and he's created at least four chance, yeah, three chances, and a, and a and a secondary assist. But just, but more than more than that, right? I mean, that's brilliant for a kid on his debut. He's only 21. But more than that, it was just when you see him and the way he receives the ball, the balance, the head up, the first touch gets out of his feet, and he's already going forward. I love that. I mean, in fact, some of the way that he received the ball on the half turn, I even a little hint of, oh, that looks like Kenny Dalglish. <laughs> you know, just the way he received the ball and looked after it and turned and was ready to go. You know, I just thought, oh, this is lovely. His balance. I love that. The assisting pass for Giamakis was off his right foot. No hesitation. He's a left-footed player. Um, I thought he looked, I mean, I, um, I don't often get carried away, but he really looks exciting. You're you're smitten, aren't you, Alan? You I are am. Smitten. I think he. I think he looks. <laughs> I think he looks a right player. Just I, I know it's early days, and the kid. The kid was obviously you know cramping up at the end again. I think we should talk about that. Um, but yeah, just 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 not not even the numbers, not even the number of creative passes he did. Just the way he played, the way he receives the ball, the positions he took up, the space he found, the, the his head up, his first touch. Uh, lovely, all of it. Yeah, really, really yeah. liked it. Just as a sidebar, I was actually thinking about what players of the past that I would have loved to see 
in the flesh. And Kenny Dalglish is right up there as um, one of the players that, if I could go back and and watch what they were like, it would have been it would have been him. He would have been uh, one of the silkiest players of his day. Another player that uh, sort of shown last night was Georges Jekamakis starting up front again, got his goal, which is most important. Alan or James, myself and Alan were talking about Jakimakis after the game, and it was sort of a a consensus in a way that this was a fairly complete performance from a centre forward who um is definitely stronger in the box. Definitely if you get the ball into him, he will get the ball on target. But he did a lot of work as well as that. He did a lot of defensive work and and l- linked the play up quite well as well. Yeah, I, I think he I think that was a as far as games where his skill set will align with helping the cause, I think that was probably a pretty good one, given the, um, you know, the the amount of aerial balls, the kind of ping ponging that goes on at Tyne Castle pretty regularly when we go there. Uh, it's just you know just that little bit of different style of a of a match because of um, the pitch dimensions and how they play. So I, I thought he was um, good and productive in that context. I, to Alan's point relative to Hitate, I mean, I, I think we saw the disparity in pressing effectiveness just generally with the personnel that were available. And, I, you know, it, it's not a fair comparison because it, it, you're comparing him to two mutants in a good way, meaning Maeda and Kyogo, uh, you know, that scale of what they do in, in defending from the, the front is just, you know, it's incomparable to a degree. So he's not going to give you that. Um but I thought he was, you know, he was functional. He was, he was good, and it was a hell of a finish. I mean, really, really great finish. And that's, you know, if you look at his shot map from his time in his in his um, career, that's what he's good at is getting in those zones, central, and finishing. Um, so I think, you know, that that's uh, it, that's the way he's going to create value and and offer value. Now, how mm-hmm. much that's going to be worth against different kinds of opponents, I have questions about that still but i think he could be useful in kind of a situational and at this point we don't have anyone else to play there so uh it's good that it's it's good that he was productive when we need him exactly a couple of comments coming in on the youtube channel already kevin 14 says gg versus kyogo not as mobile but more clinical which you know that that is a fair point as well from kevin rob McEwen is saying congrats 10 minutes in and no mention of scales don't worry that's coming (laughs) <laughs> that's coming later on the show rob don't worry we'll have our own section the skill section as it's starting to be known as the clinicalness of jackamacus is an interesting one that kevin does bring up there though because celtic have been sort of lacking in that killer edge i guess they're creating loads of chances we've seen with their their xg is pretty much off the scale as well so they're good chances but you often see celtic coming away with just two goals from a game so if you're looking at Kyogo coming back from injury is is, is Jackamakis an option to play with Kyogo so you can have that balance of clinicalness in the box while also having the pressing of Kyogo or is it just a matter of this is going to be one or the other I think it's too short of a sample size to be making those kinds of declarations um, if you look at uh, Jackamacus's history pre- preceding Celtic uh, in mass, he's kind of under um, performed his XG. So, you know, again, there's all kinds of discussion about 
mean reversion that goes on with with XG depending on the model that kind of thing. But um, I, I so he could be due for positive reversion. That would be the optimist view of it. Um, but I don't think that that and that's over a pretty big sample size. I mean that's um, that's over ten thousand minutes of game time. So um, you know I would say that it doesn't rule out that he's a better than average finisher, but probably he's. It's less likely, I would say, given that size of sample and that he's kind of just been a right around his, his, um, his, his goal tally relative to his XG, which is normal. Again, that's not a criticism. It's That's why, you know, um, XG usually does mean revert for most players. Um, so, and, and Kyoko has basically been similar, actually. I think he's a little above. So it, it's not a huge disparity um, with, with his track record, too. So it's sequencing, it's sample size. So I, I don't think that that would be, at least for me, analytically, that would not be a priority as far as why you would insert him uh, along with, uh, particularly given the, um, the, the topic of uh, the issue of cohesiveness relative to pressing once we have Maeda and Kyoko. I think that's, that's the combo I'm, I'm waiting to see. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the squad now is so spread out that it's one of these intangible things, but if you look at the players who are out injured, the players who are coming in to replace them are putting a real competitive edge to the squad selection. So if you take the midfield, for example, if O'Reilly continues on the form that he's that he started with, then he's putting Rogic under, under serious pressure when he comes back from international duty. Likewise, with Hatate, I think Turnbull, when he comes back, will be really struggling to put Hatate out of the team at that point. Um, with, uh, you know, Giacomacchus playing up front. If he continues to score, do you just drop him straight away when Kyogo's back fit? There are a number of key players in key positions who have stepped up in this period when we've needed them that it might bring an added bit of competitiveness, which could lead to better performances from the players who are coming back into the squad on. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the midfield, as I said before, was the area I was most concerned about. So we've gone out and we've re- recruited three midfielders. Uh, in this window, and and you know, with you know, with recruitment, right? It's it's kind of hit and miss. If you're, if if even half the people that you sign turn out to add value to the first team, that's probably a reasonable hit rate for most clubs. But actually, you know, we're, we're I would hesitate to say we're not anywhere near 900 minutes for any of them. But they all look at least like they're going to be a good fit for the way we're trying to play. So that's a good start, right? I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on on absolute judgment until until we get more minutes under the belts for all of them. But it looks coherent. They fit into the system and they fit into the style of play. And as you say, it could all have gone absolutely horrendous. You know, having to rely on players that haven't had many minutes and throwing them in all at once as well. Um, especially a place like Tynecastle. So we got a bit of positive variance last night, the penalty miss, right? Um, you know, there was probably maybe two offside goals, um, the, both theirs and possibly Giacomacchus's. It's very difficult to tell with his one. Is his head slightly ahead of Suter's foot? I, I don't know. Um, so, you know, we came out on the right side of that and, and deserved it on the first half. Um, my, my concern would be in the midfield still, you know, young players, uh, Hatati and um, oh, Hatati's not that young. He's not that experienced because he went through the usual sort of Japanese cycle of university. So started his professional career relatively late. 
you know, um, this is a big step up as we saw for O'Reilly, you know, he's cramping up. It's, you know, League One's pretty rambunctious, but, it, you know, the SPFL is considerably faster uh, even than that. So, um, yeah, and we could see that we were losing our shape a bit in the second half. So we still need, we still need that depth. There's still an awful lot of risk around, but but hey, it, look, it looks like a lot of the players that we've brought in are, are working out, and that's great. That's great news. Yeah, again though, with despite bringing in those players, we still ended up <laughs> in near beat on playing as the number six last night. Look, he, he actually had a fine game. He was actually playing quite good, but I still found myself cursing him come the final 10 minutes when he seemed to be doing all that he could to get sent off. And I was worried that, you know, Ange wasn't going to make the substitute on time, that he was going to end up doing something silly. And he was one foul away from getting that second yellow. He really was after that deliberate handball. So, James, is Beton or did he show enough as a number six that you're not going to be worried about him despite the, you know, headlessness that he can he can bring to the games at times? Yeah, I mean that's really the main issue. As as long as he doesn't uh, lose his head, he's uh, very productive when he plays um, in a different way than McGregor, but um, productive nonetheless. So, yeah, he he just seems to maybe have a bit of a uh, I don't know if it's a temper issue or what, but you know he I think he got a pretty nasty tackle. He received one not too long before. He also, you know, started to kind of cascade there at the end. Um, so, you know, that and we've seen that whether it was Mitchelland or, you know, he kind of lost his head in that game, too, with some nonsense. Um, so that's the kind of thing teams will target to wind guys up and and push them to try and get them uh, to, to make silly mental mistakes. So, you know, that that's the big the big question, I think, as long as he can not do that, I think he has a lot of value to, to, to offer actually. Um, and, and I think one big way is that he, he is more of a defensive force in that role than, than McGregor. Um, so he's, he's probably not as good spatially and creating angles to receive, you know, balls and build up. But, uh, I mean, he is a, a pretty good weapon as far as, um, intercepting and, and, uh, winning tackles and, and cutting off passing lanes. So, uh, and he's he's a really good passer too. I mean, that's the other thing. He he really can create uh, uh, opportunities for teammates and move the ball along, uh, break lines, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's that's the big question. Yeah, another red card against Rangers as well. The idiotic, uh, you know, just moment of madness. And you would you'd probably excuse it if it was a 21, 22 year old player, but he's he's not young. Like he's he should have the mental awareness not to do these silly things and. I, I just couldn't believe when he stuck the hand out for that. And, and I'm already on a book and I, I thought for sure that Beaton was going to send him off. Uh, but thankfully he didn't. He played on. I did think that in the final 10 minutes, the game was screaming out for Cal McGregor and the ability to control the pace of the game in the way that Beaton doesn't bring. I, I, that, that That's what I view Beaton as a better defensively, but just not a, not a controlling figure when it comes to the possession. Uh, Alan, as we move back towards the defense, I know you haven't collected your data for the full thing, but Starfelt again is going to be someone that keeps coming up because it's just, you know, one side has their opinion, the other side has the other opinion. But what did, uh, what does the data say? What does, it, what does Starfelt's numbers say about his performance from last night in terms of his duels anyway? 
Yep, so it's pretty much a normal kind of Starfelt performance. I mean, I'm only getting again 34, 35 minutes in, sort of thing. So he's like seven, one, four lost, sort of thing. It's it's just not it's not you know it's not enough. You you've got to be eighty percent plus for these sort of things. You can't be like like two, twice in the first half, and this is a, this is this is a point in the game where where Celtic are dominating in the sense that there's no danger in the game. Hearts can't string two passes together. They create nothing after the first few seconds when uh, Mackay had that long shot. Um, and yet, you know, there's some danger, dangerous situations created because Starfelt's under the ball. He's been t- either taken under the ball because he's trying to win something he can't, or, or Boyce has, um, you know, roughed, roughed him up a bit and, and taken him under the ball physically moved him around and, 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 and you know, it, and it just happens over and over and over again. He, he try you know, he, he tries very hard and, and tries to be really aggressive on the ground, which is great. But again, you know, you can't win the ball all the time. Sometimes you just have to slow the player up and re- and let the rest of the defence uh, regroup around you. It's, 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 it's you know, I, I, I've gone on about it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of boring myself, right? I've written about it. It's on the site. It's very clear. These these metrics that I collect, you know, I believe they stand the test of time. If you look at that chart of centre backs, it all matches the eye test, right? And he's and he's nowhere. He's nowhere near good enough uh, for what we need. And I'm sorry, and I know that's disappointing for some people. I don't want to say that. I want him to be good. I want him to succeed. But if you look at the data consistently, we're not talking about you know the the, the guy playing ten games here now. We're talking about thirty games, over thirty games. We've played European games. We've played low teams in lower leagues. We've played cup finals, right? And 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 and, and this is this, this is what the data says. It's just, it's just if you look at the some of the most disappointing centre backs we've had, he's in that group. He's nowhere near yeah. uh, Carter Vickers. James, one of the talking points coming into this game was Suter for Hearts because obviously he's, he's off at the end of the season. People are wondering whether he is going to be fully committed to Hearts and he was very strong, I felt, despite considering two goals. And he, he has been a, a consistent performer. When you're doing your benchmarks for the exam, let's say for, for Starfelt, where does he come in in Scottish terms, in, in terms of the SPFL? Where does Starfelt come in in terms of his data? Yeah, so um, it's lumpy. So his, uh, generally speaking, as you might think, um, aerially he's really poor, as Alan has talked about, uh, meaning like bottom 20% kind of poor. Um, and uh, he's kind of middling as far as overall defensive value, which again, for a Celtic player, you know, if, you, if you're, this is the way I think of it, is if you're performing around average for an SPFL level, player at Celtic that's not good enough um and you know his his passing is as we've talked about is very efficient and safe but doesn't really produce much so there's some value in not giving the ball over but you know he's I would say for the most part he slows build up play down and um you know he's he's not much of a threat as far as carrying the ball and, and breaking lines um I would say Suter's probably not a whole lot different from a defensive profile perspective. Look better in the air. I mean, again, it's hard to be worse um, in the SPFL. But what what Suter has is a little bit more of that athleticism, ball carrying, and a little bit more passing um, uh, that 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 Starfelt doesn't. Um, so you know, I actually think from a you know, I don't I don't want to say this, but I think it's probably a decent signing for Rangers. 
um, given the available stock of players in the league, and they're probably not paying much for him. If uh, nothing, if he's if they don't end up, if <laughs> they don't, if they end, can help it. <laughs> yeah, if they can help it, right? Um, so you know, uh, he 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 looks like a pretty solid, you know, uh, league level. And I think the question for him is how he can do stepping up into Europe. Um, so we've, we've seen what Starfell could do in Europe and um, not good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say for balance then, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, despite it being offside, he Carter-Vickers is the player that is behind the line. He should doesn't get up quick enough um, for that goal last night. Outside of that, is was was this a normal Cameron Carter-Vickers performance or was this a poor performance uh, in the numbers? I have the game numbers in it, you know, at least in the Y Scout data. I mean, he's it was almost right on average, like across the board. Everything was pretty much right in line. And and that's he is he's a very consistent performer. Um, but I would say that the where where he has had more issues is I would is in the box with with those kind of runners, you know, those um you know, the, we, we we've generally had those issues with um low crosses crosses on the ground um and those can be difficult generally so you know again if as we've talked about if that's the one thing that you're going to give up probably uh not the worst but um yeah kind of um typical carter vickers performance generally from a statistics perspective yeah who has a violin playing in the background if we get popped on uh, YouTube for copyright infringement, I'm blaming you. It's uh, sorry, it's my son's practicing his cello. <laughs> there you go, cello. <laughs> yeah, he's actually right on the other side of the house. It's incredible that it's. I can't do much about that. I'm afraid. I think all the doors are even closed. It's quite a powerful instrument, so the sound carries. <laughs> um, no, no, it's so all good. good. I'm just, I'm just saying. If we get proper copyright, it's on you. It's I'll tell him. You. I'll tell him. I'll tell him that he's got an audience and to sharpen up a bit. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it was three points against Hearts. It's a pressure game. Celtic come away with, uh, within four points of Rangers still with a game to play just before the um the derby next week so i don't want to be overly negative but i just want to finish finish off on the performance review from from the game and i have to take it back to greg taylor left back because i i honestly do believe that while starfelt has struggled that it is down to a lack of quality beside him i do i do not totally down to it but i definitely do think it is a um a factor within starfelt's performances that he just doesn't have a top quality left back beside him when he's playing, even Juranovic when he's playing there, that's not his real position. So you can't really count that. Uh, James, you have the data from the game. Greg Taylor, he, from what I watched, from what I seen, he gave the ball away a lot. He was out of position a lot. And generally he did struggle. He looked like a player out of his depth against ours. Yeah. I, I, I would say not one of his better performances. Um, I'm not sure about the description on out of position. That's hard to say because they seem to be playing a very fluid style relative to um, the fullbacks as far as, you know, even flipping sides of the field at the time. And and they certainly both seem to be capable of doing that, um, at least from a, 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 a control of possession perspective. Um, so 
but yeah, his passing was not as uh, secure as it normally is. But again, that was within the context of a game that a lot of players had that issue. Uh, his, his creativity, um, you know, he wasn't really getting beyond uh, Jota uh, as, as he has somewhat in the past. But again, that could be a plan. So it's, it's hard to know contextually where the role was for him and Juranovic because Juranovic didn't really get to the byline either. So it's not like... You know, so so they were inside a lot. Uh, they were playing that kind of inverted, almost pseudo midfielder role, a lot. Um, so I, yeah, I, 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 it wasn't one of his best statistically. Um, I'm not his hugest fan either. I, I have, I continue to have concerns about his level of athleticism, and uh, and pace, and you know, um, with with your one of your uh, rumored fanboy signings potentially going to the other side of the city here. Uh, and uh, uh, that's a concern for me because, um, you know, Starfelt and Taylor against elite pace is uh, worrying um, in my view. So um, that, that continues to be my big, my big issue is I, th- I think to a degree you're right. Meaning that some of Starfelt's warts may be less exposed if he had more athleticism next to him. Um but as usual, I mean, I think Taylor's getting a lot out of what he has to work with. Yeah. A lot of comments coming in on the YouTube channel. Uh, Sean Kelly saying, how can these guys criticize Hatate? I don't think any, any of us criticized. <laughs> sure we were. We just did that he, you know, th- these are what the stats say about Hatate's performance from last night. If you are watching on YouTube, be sure to hit subscribe if you're not subscribed to the channel and uh, leave a like as well to let more people see the video and keep the comments coming as well. We'll try to get to some of them before we finish up. So I guess before we move on to the Dundee United game this weekend, um, James, your general thoughts in the second half and why Celtic failed to control it? Was it tiredness? Was it just lack of concentration? Was it poor choices or was it all of the... I I, I think it was likely all the above. I think we hit a wall it looked like physically somewhere between 55 and 60 minutes. And, um, you know, as people get physically tired, a lot of times mental acuity goes with it. Um, so we got really sloppy and uh, they made some substitutions that dialed up the pressure a little bit. They brought in a couple of uh, Everton Loney players, or I guess Beningami is a, a permanent signing now. But former, was He's former Everton yeah, and for, Sims for, is on loan from Everton at the minute. Yeah, but I mean, Sims was a handful. I think he would be a handful for any, uh, at least aerially, um, any, any center back pairing. So, yeah, it, it just became a very chaotic and um, uh, crazy game in some ways. And I think a lot of it had to do with physical and mental fatigue. And I think Alan will maybe voice some opinions on substitution patterns again. But, um, yeah, we, we, we went quite a ways with some very obviously tired players on the pitch. Yeah, Alan, have you thought about this more since last night? The issue that seems to be arising. Yeah, so actually, article coming out on the Celtic Way shortly, maybe even today, about this. So, looking at, I've been looking at Celtic's performance, you know, first half versus second half, or, or even through through the sort of minute segments of games, because if you look at the actual goals conceded, we score fifty five percent of our goals in the first half, forty five percent in the second half. The opposition scored 38% of their goals in the first half, 62% in the second half. So, you know, that's not the best indicator because we know goal, goals are, 
are quite rare events in a low-scoring sport. So if you look at expected goals, which looks at all chances created, not just those that result in goals, it's actually a little bit more even, evenly spread. Um, but what's interesting is that if you look at the trend lines, then the opposition's number of expected goals per minute, if you like, in each minute of the game is trending upwards as the game goes on. And Celtics is trending ever so slightly down. But what tends to happen is that the, the, the expected goals for us and the op- opponents tends to get very, very close midway through the second half. And in the last 10 minutes, it widens again. So what that tells me is that, you know, we're not making our substitutions early enough, and again, which is what my eyes are telling me. You know, we're making substitutions too late. Uh, we're, you know, we've got we've got good players on the bench. I know there might be players that Postacoglu doesn't want or doesn't trust, but they're probably better than the opponent, right? So if you've got somebody like uh, Hitati who's, you know, running all over the park, not, not, not you know, breaking structure, or you've got... Uh, O'Reilly, who's who's out on his feet, can't run anymore. Then take them off because you know McCarthy might not be the might not give you anything, literally nothing from an attacking perspective. But it will give you shape, it will give you structure, it will give you uh, positional sense, and he'll he'll win and he'll break down tackles and he'll win the ball. So so get get him on <laughs> and, and see the game out. Uh, right, we got away with it last night. I mean, we made substitutions in the 85th and the 90th minute for players that were should have been off. 15, you know, 10, 15 minutes before that. If you look at packing stats, so you know, number of number of pack passes uh, across ninety minutes. Celtics trend is, is we we get we we do less as the game goes on. The opponent goes does more. That that both of those things are a function of tired bodies and tired tired minds. As James says, we're we're allowing the opponent into the game as it goes on. But again, same thing. In the last ten minutes, it spikes again in Celtics' favour. We get control of the game, and it was the same last night. Once the subs came on, we saw out six minutes of added time, and the last two or three minutes, we saw out the last ten minutes with virtually no issues at all because we brought the we brought fresh legs on. And and this is mm. to me, this is um Postacoglu's big Achilles heel. He's not making substitutions early enough and, and we're playing with tired players, they're getting injured, uh and which is which is another another uh risk that's manifest because of that. And and, and you know w- w- there will be a game that we won't be able to see out. Even Aloha put Celtic under pressure because we didn't we didn't um switch up quick enough. So uh, yeah, that, that's my there's the article coming out about that. You know, I was pleased that the data supported my, my bias on this one. So <laughs> watch out for that one. Yeah, it's like it is pretty common sense thinking, really. When you you see Hearts bringing five players on in a momentum swing like a goal and a penalty, you're probably gonna struggle if you keep the same players on the pitch, especially if they're like O'Reilly who could barely move. But I do wonder if because we, we, we kind of see this trend with managers who play high-intensity football. For example, Klopp's first season with Liverpool, if somebody took a look back at that, was it similar to this with Celtic? And next season, will we see a different situation where Celtic are actually really dominant in the second half, despite because they're, they're just fitter, they're just used to this system, they're used to playing at this high intensity? Whereas, like, in... in everything that we've said this year it's a transitional year so i wonder is this just transitional sort of you know wearing in to the the Ange system james i i, I wouldn't doubt that potentially and again in fairness to hitate and o'reilly they're literally just through the door i mean to a crazy degree with o'reilly um so i mean uh, th- that's just a really tough situation to be um, thrown into physically to be playing a different way in a different system. And, you know, 
having a complete change of life um, in the last few weeks. So that that's that's a lot. Uh, and, and enjoying the balmy uh, January in, in Glasgow at the same time. So, um, yeah, so I, I but I again, I, 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 I've done a decent amount of looking at his track record all the way back to to Australia. Uh, and I and I do remain concerned about the um, the potential endemic aspect of this problem and um, how much is a cultural issue versus how much is a analytical and um, information issue. Meaning that I think Ange to me has struck me at this point as a, as a throwback kind of manager, not, not necessarily as a, a progressive modern manager in many ways. And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you know, um, uh, Brendan Rogers for the most part was when he was, when he came to Celtic as well. Um, But there's a lot of things in football, meaning that, you know, why, why don't managers make subs in the first half if the game is screaming for it from a matchup and a tactical perspective? Some managers will, but the vast majority won't. Why? Well, because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Why? You know, don't want to embarrass a player. I mean, what? Do, this is ridiculous. I, this, this cultural thing. I, I, these are adults. Tell them to suck it up. You know, we're making this change because I screwed up with my setup. It's nothing personal. So I'm making the switch, right? So there's now there's an of, old school attitude. Well, right, well, but you think that's going to work with the guys who have their on their phone at halftime? Uh, well, tough, tough. That's what I would say, right? <laughs> so I, I think generally adjustments and substitutions are probably slow in, in the game. And Ange looks like, at least so far, um, that he might even be on the outer edge of that, um, particularly when you account for all these physical aspects that we, we've talked about. Uh, if anything, I would I would think just intuitively that that would move the needle to like closer to 50, 55, 60 minutes, as opposed to the 80, 85, 90 minutes that we seem to be. Um, and some of that, as we said, was initially because of squad depth and that kind of thing. And we were all kind of waiting to see if there would be significant changes once the depth in, in, improved. And some of that's been taken away from us now, obviously, because of renewed injuries. Um, and in fairness, not really, you know, ones that were probably related to fitness. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's just probably going to continue to be a, a big question mark. Yeah, as well as some concerns with the performance, there were also some really, you know, promising things from last night. O'Reilly's performance definitely being one of them. Uh, Hitate's goal, absolutely phenomenal. Jota's performance that we haven't really mentioned at all. He was really, really good in the first half in particular. Before we move on to the Dundee United game, curious to get your guesses on what the XG might have been for Hitate's goal. <laughs> Oh, it will be two, like two percent. Yeah. I mean, he he was he was not under pressure, um, and he had a, a free a free you know sighted goal. The ball wasn't bouncing, but it would be no, it was so far out. It'd be no more than about two percent. Yeah, I can. I saw I saw people on Seltzer here discussing whether his or the Nakamura goal against Rangers was better, and it's it's not a competition for me. I mean, that Nakamura goal, uh, like, come on, yeah. um, Craig Gordon probably could have done something with the goal last night, whereas I just don't think you're getting to that Nakamura goal at all. No, 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 no. Agreed. The Dundee United game then, what are we looking um, at for this game? What are we thinking Ange's going to do with the, the team? Is it very much the exact same team as started against Hearts? Is is that what we're going to see? 
I guess so. I, I can't think. I think who might be on the edge of coming back. So many bloody injuries to keep up with. I can't even remember who's all oh out. God. <laughs> Cal, Cal McGregor's face, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if you oh. saw the image of him waving to the fans. Jesus yeah. Christ, his face looked really, really well, sore. I presume if his cheekbone was in bits, he would have had, had to have had surgery by now. Um, so, I mean, there's not, you know, I know that there was swelling, but it doesn't swell as much in that area like it would round a, a knee joint, for example, where you've got to wait for the swelling to go down before you can do anything. Uh, but with mm-hmm. the face, normally if it's a uh, like a, a you know fractured socket or a cheap one, they normally um, operate uh, pretty pretty quickly. I think so. The fact that he's not had an operation, and again, you know, playing the amateur doctor here, uh, you know, it might be good news in the sense that it could just be badly badly bruised, and I'm sure he's in pain. It's a hell of a dunt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, <laughs> I wouldn't gamble on his fitness. Put it that way. If the worst that happens is we play the same uh, eleven. You know, I mean, I said it before the game that uh, I would have picked Abada over Forrest, Scales over Taylor, and I wouldn't have chucked O'Reilly in, and that was me being an old fart, really, sort of risk averse, and I got that one wrong. But still, even on last night's showing, I still would make the case for having Abada and Scales over over Taylor and Forrest. Just just on form, I don't think uh, Scales deserved to be dropped after Aloha, and I don't think Abada deserves to be dropped. Um, so I would I would make those two changes if it was me. Yeah, there's that's that's two interesting positions that I was going to actually bring up, James. Where do you stand on the Bada Forest debate? Because a lot of people frustrated by Forest's output against Hearts in terms of his his final ball, but defensively he adds a lot more to the game than than Abada does. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I, I my my issue with Forest is more so just. Um, you know what, where he's at physically, and he, he just he he looks a step slow, um, which uh, you know obviously that's uh, completely uh, subjective, but that would certainly fit with someone who's his age and having returned from basically a year and a half off, um, or almost a year and a half off, uh, which which is just a tough time for somebody in his age to, age curve to to suffer that kind of injury. Um, so, but you, you, you counterbalance that. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, I, I don't have a strong conviction one way or the other, to be honest. One of the things I am curious to see is relative to having, if you throw uh, Abada into that mix with uh, Riley, O'Reilly and Hatate, um, that's a lot of people taking a lot of risk. And um, O'Reilly, not so much, he was very secure on the ball, but he does take risks. Uh, that that's a lot of risk taking, and and I love that. But you know, it's a question of how much could be too much. And one thing Forrest is generally pretty secure on the ball. His decision making has been a little wonky so far upon his return. Um, so that that would be one question. And again, I'm not stating a an argument one way or the other. It's just I'm curious to see how that works out. Uh, I will say that because of how big the pitch is at home, and how for the most part. United has come in and been fairly naive playing us this season that that might lend itself to Abada and using some of that open space and making those runs with his pace that, uh, you know, a guy like Hatate or O'Reilly could identify uh, those, those valuable through balls or, or uh, you know, cross field passes, that kind of thing. Um, so given that aspect, I'd probably lean towards Abada, but you know, it's not a strong conviction. 
Yeah, and and looking at the league table, Dundee United are seventh in the table, but in goals scored, they're they've only scored nineteen goals, which is actually the third worst. I know uh, Dundee themselves have eighteen, uh, Livingston have also only scored eighteen, and then St Johnson have only scored eleven. So they're you know if you take the the joint third equation, they're they're Dundee are are just just above the worst teams in the league when it comes to the goal scored. So is this a game where you bring um, skills in at left back and bring Ralston back in as well for a few minutes. I know Ralston might feel like he's been left out in the cold a little bit due to the fact that Juranovic is just playing phenomenal stuff at the minute. Yeah, I don't think Bostokoglu makes changes for the sake of it. So I would expect him to play the strongest team, frankly. It's a must, must win. It's another three points. Um, so, you know, you've got to balance up things like... Um, you know, as I say, who's coming back and when are they going to come back? And you and I, and I, and I hope that they've got a plan, which may well go out the window when someone gets injured, but at least have a, a working starting position on which five substitutions, and we can use five subs, by the way, right? Which five subs we can use to kind of, you know, keep things fresh. So I would hope that level of planning goes on and you might want, like you say, you might want to keep keep some players like Ralston and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, even McCarthy, I guess, just keep, keep them, keep them, keep them ticking over in terms of minutes on the pitch. So yeah, definitely. And, and can can you get Julien on the pitch? Would be an interesting one. And actually, I'm, I am wondering in my head, would you actually pitch Julien in for this game and uh, and say, actually, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be, no one's going to be running away from you. They've got no one that's going to run away from you uh, on in their team. So pitch him in and uh, get, get him 90 minutes or at least 70 minutes, 60 minutes under his belt, maybe. That was the only other thing that occur- would occur to me. Yeah, I keep forgetting that Julian still plays for Celtic, to be honest. <laughs> just, he had, he's been out for so uh, long. That... It's just so difficult knowing when to, how he's going to get minutes, really. That's the that's the thing, isn't it? You know, um, what if he comes on? If, if, he, if he came on, if he played 60 minutes on... Uh, on Saturday um, and did well, what would you do? Would you play him in the derby or or not? Is that be a really difficult situation, wouldn't it? Yeah. I wondered, was the reason he didn't play against Alloa down to the the plastic pitch and maybe not wanting to risk another injury coming straight back from the type of injury he had? So, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Christopher Julian. He is a classy player when, you, when he is at his best. So, Let's see what he's like when he comes back from injury. Before we finish up, anything you just want to bring up uh, before we move on and get to the Dundee United game before the Derby next week? No, let's go. Oh, that's 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 one thing for you. We we were three things. We were on time. We we finished up within the fifteen minute mark, which is absolute record for us. And Celtic have three points on the table. That's <laughs> that's that is impressive stuff on a huddle breakdown this week, James Allen. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. And thanks to everyone who liked and commented on the video uh, when we were live. Loads of comments coming through. Keep them coming after the video is off YouTube. If you want to get the YouTube video, it is on Breakdown Inc. That's where you can subscribe to the channel. If you haven't done so already, get notified every time a video goes live. The podcast is on Spotify, on iTunes, and everywhere you get your podcasts as well. We'll be back next week with a review of the Dundee United game. And we might do something ahead of the Derby as well. Thanks for watching, folks. We'll chat to you later. Good luck.